You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you, What's up, guys? Welcome to the Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. I just want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. It was birthed out of birthed out of the burden to help those in the community and congregations who've come out of a difficult past or an addictive lifestyle and who feel called to devote their lives to Christ and his church. Um, want to thank them for, like I said, sponsoring the show. And just want to say that uh, we're gi- we're giving a, uh, a Quay Walker autographed jersey away here uh, real soon. Haven't got the exact date yet. We want to make sure everyone gets an opportunity to uh, enter their self into that contest. All you got to do is go to my Twitter page, and the, there's going to be a tweet pinned at the top of the page uh, talking about the giveaway. All you have to do is make sure you're following the account. Uh, retweet that tweet that'll enter you into the contest one time and if you want to uh, donate to fertile ground ranch uh, discipleship ministry there's also a tweet that's attached to that pinned tweet that you can click on a link and donate to that cause and that'll actually uh, for every five dollars you donate to that ministry that'll enter you into the contest uh, one additional time Uh, there's an unlimited amount of times that you can enter into that uh, just depending on you know what's on your heart to give and uh and help out for those, like I said, people who are, you know, coming out of an addictive lifestyle or, uh, you know, just a difficult past. Maybe some people were, <clears throat> you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of uh, born behind the eight ball, if you will. I don't know. I don't know a better way of saying it. You know, maybe uh, born into uh, an addicted family. It could have been something that, you know, throughout life uh, they made some bad decisions and want to get back on their feet. Just an opportunity to help others out, and that's what this show. Uh, is all about is giving back. So again, uh, that that autographed Quay Walker jersey in a way Beckett style. So it's the white um, with the green lettering, green number, uh, Beckett style autograph. Uh, got the uh, certificate of authenticity, all that good stuff as well. So uh, make sure you get yourself entered into that contest. Now let's get into the show. And today's going to be all about you know how we do on Saturdays. We really want to kind of dig into the game that's coming up on Sunday and give you guys a little bit better idea of uh, of what to expect. You know, maybe some. Uh, some key points here or there, you know, what what the opponent does well. Um, we're also going to hit on some injuries there on the backside. We're definitely going to dive into PFF and kind of look at what Washington does really, really well and uh, and maybe some of their weaknesses as well and see how the Packers uh, may indeed attack them. But let's do this. Let's get everything kicked off 
uh, first with uh, just a uh, let's do a quick little intro to the game. This comes uh, courtesy of NFL.com. You can find this video on their website for free. You can also find it on YouTube if you want to go back and watch it and see some of the highlights they include here. Um, but it's just a quick intro and kind of setting the stage for this game tomorrow as we travel up into uh, the nation's capital and play the uh, the Washington Commanders. But let's see uh, let's see what this intro is all about. The Green Bay Packers are off to Washington, hoping to snap a two-game losing streak. The Commanders, hoping they can ride their defense to back-to-back W's. Roger breaks down, and down he goes. Uh, the fake pressure coming. Roger hit, ball is loose, sitting on the ground. That combo right there, the formula that allows the Commanders to keep things close with Green Bay. And as Lloyd would say, keep it close is saying there's a chance. Shuttle, did he catch it? We're dumb and dumber no, with so catch, but short of the goal line. Can't be any closer than that. Washington secondary hasn't played great in 2022. Body of work, a little like what I see in the mirror. But they looked good enough last week against Justin Fields, and it was tied to that pass rush. Third and 19. Look out. And down he goes back at the 30-yard line. Aaron Rodgers is going to be staring at five dudes with three-plus sacks this year. Commanders with an elite pressure rate and QB takedown total. Fields, chase, spins, cannot get away. Rodgers, he got sacked four times last week, hit nine. Pressure, Rodgers sacked again. Oh, the Jets are getting heavy pressure. In turn, he struggled. Just six yards an attempt, rating under 90. Rodgers pressured, rolls away, has time, throws. Incomplete. Number 12 found success finding his tight end. Robert Tunyon comes in off his biggest game of the year. 12 targets, 10 catches, 90 yards. Looking around, throws, caught for the first down. Robert Tunyon. Rodgers has to have better luck with Green Bay's wide receivers this week. Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs against the Jets. 18 targets, only 8 catches. Blowing it up. Going deep for Dobbs, and it's short, incomplete. Lazard at least pulled in that nice touchdown. Rodgers going end zone. Lazard, he's got it for the touchdown. Rodgers may want to load up on whoever Washington's Kendall Fuller is guarding or trying to guard. Three TDs allowed, rating against near 140. Fields deep downfield, and it is going to be caught for a touchdown. Benjamin St. Juiced, on the other hand, the anti-Waldo. 72.1 rating against, holding QBs to a 41.9 completion percentage. St. Juice covering on the play. So if he, if he holds on to it there, he's across the goal line. He's in, but he doesn't. Packers run game, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, not much of an impact last week. The duo has potential to make one, though especially against a Washington defense that's allowed 4.5 yards per carry on the year. 4.5 or more allowed to three of Chicago's primary runners in their last contest. Getting great blocks, and this is just a back being special. Not giving up on a play, being able to get to the back side, and then he shows the speed. And Idea of leaning on the ground game should also be on the mind of Washington's offense. Green Bay hasn't been stout against ball carriers either. They've given up 4.9 a run. 
Their defense gave up close to 180 ground yards to the Jets, gave up 5.8 a carry to rookie Brees Hall. Give it to him. Right side, good hole. Nice cut for Hall. And he's down near the 25-yard line and a gain of nine. Washington's rush attack is by no means electric. They did welcome back Brian Robinson, only three and a half a carry, but he did score, and they still have Antonio Gibson. Robinson, and he zone for a touchdown. You have the quickness to be able to get up pretty quickly by Antonio Gibson. A beautiful design. Passing attack. Can't really say it's up in the air because it hasn't been that really. Carson Wentz didn't have snot on his hand all night last week. He hurt his thumb. He's out. So, time to crack a can of Heineken. The way Wentz has played, I might too, right? Taylor Heineke gets his first shot to create a QB controversy. Doesn't have huge shoes to fill. The only thing Washington has been commanding at is the bottom when it comes to points per game and third down efficiency. Kind of anticipates that throw right at the sticks, gets his hand in there, and there's the follow through as he comes through Justin Jones. It's his hand. Pass protection, 23 sacks taken. Pressure percentage, over 30. We only mentioned that it's over 30 because that's when it's a problem. There's just not a threat of Wentz when he comes off the action and gets outside. You just don't feel that. Packers pass rush seems quite able to take advantage. Little over two sacks a game, pressure rate right near 30. Zach Wilson backs away from trouble, runs into trouble, and he's buried. Based on Washington's passing attack trek so far, this is a chance for Green Bay's secondary to keep working on their season numbers. They're not great right now, but the Cheesehead DBs weren't to blame for the Jets' loss. They only allowed 110 yards to Zach Wilson, rating under 75, 6.1 a throw. Wilson backed up, looking for some offense, and it's Garrett Wilson, but it's incomplete. Not a lot of separation from the herd after six weeks in the NFL. Which of the green teams gets off the even-steven line? Score predictions, analysis, all that other stuff. It goes in the comments section. We've got 10 scores. They go up on this screen. All right, so we had, just like last week, you know, it was uh, somewhat unanimous that people from NFL.com had picked the game and, and the Packers were picked to beat the Jets. Well, this this week it's completely unanimous. It, you know, scores ranging everywhere from 35 to 14 to uh, uh, 24 to 9 to 16 to 13. Some people have got it a three-point game. Yeah, I think we've learned now. We can all kind of put things into perspective and say that, um, there is no easy win this year, period. I don't care who you're playing. I mean, when you play the Jets at home, and the Jets, people were – it was nice. It was refreshing all week long to hear people, not not necessarily Packer fans, but just people in the mainstream media, start to acknowledge that the Jets are a good team. Their defense is is solid. I mean, like, I would – if you told me, Clayton, pick you've – got, you've got pick of the litter. Give me, you know, one of five defenses. Who are your top five defenses? The Jets might be in that top five defense. They play great up front. They uh, they have really strong corner play right now. They get pressure off the edge. What else do you need in the defense? You know, I mean, when you look at that defense, you don't go, oh, man, there's a glaring weakness. There's just not one. You know, Robert Sala's done a great job putting that together. He really has. Um, you know, hearing Greg Cosell talk about Sauce Gardner and how Sauce Gardner, you know, he was a, a great mirror match press man covered. Uh, guy coming out of college but the question was can he play zone and you know how the Jets which they showed last week really like to mix and match their coverages they like to play a lot of man with zone 
right? And anytime they called man coverage, Sauce Gardner and uh, and the rest of those DBs did a great job, especially on the outside, playing that boundary man coverage, using that sideline as an extra defender, the things that we always talk about. But then when they would drop into zone, Sauce Gardner has really, really improved his game in that regard too. So the Jets, they've got them a solid corner there. That was a great investment in a first-round pick. Now, I know this isn't a Jets podcast, but I just want to put that out there. We've got to stop pretending like some of these teams that have been bad in the past all of a sudden are just going to continue to be bad. You know, one one stat that cracks me up when people, you know, throw it out there on, on the media, uh, on mainstream anyway, is they'll say, well, the Packers are, you know, 14-2 and two against this team. Well, what does that even mean? Like, if you want to compare it to last year, I get that. Minimal turnover of a roster, there's a good chance it may turn out the same way, right? But to pretend like, you know, things that happen – 10, 15 years ago applies to this game is just silly. You know, I hear people throw those numbers out when they're betting, when they're gambling. Um, and and it's why so many people lose money. Well, the, the Packers are 18-3 and three against the spread. Who cares? Who cares what they are against the spread? What does this matchup look like? You know, you can, you can throw those spread numbers out there constantly. But let's put it this way. The Packers are 18-3 and three against the spread, and that's not an accurate number. Let's just use that as a, as a hypothetical here. They're 18-3 and three against the spread. Great. Aaron Rodgers is not playing this week. If that scenario was the case, that 18-3 and three means nothing. <laughs> you know. And the same thing goes if a David Bakhtiari isn't playing in the upcoming game or a Kenny Clark isn't playing in the up to, upcoming game. You know, these key positions, right? So I just think all that can be silly at times. And it's important to call those things out and, and just kind of put things into perspective when it comes to, you know, actually uh, – uh, actually picking, you know, picking wins and losses and things like that. And, I, and like I said, it's not a gambling podcast, but I do want to mention the spread. We mention it every week. And, uh, you know, the Packers are four and a half point favorites. It looks like across the board. DraftKings, Caesar Sportsbook, FanDuel, everybody has the Packers. Uh, all the way across the board is four and a half point favorites. Now, to the best of my knowledge, it was five and a half points before Carson Wentz was ruled out, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? That your starting quarterback that you're paying $30 million to, Right, that's what cracks me up. Is if I understood correctly, Carson Wentz is on the cap for thirty million this year, and Aaron Rodgers is on the on the cap for twenty five million. But somehow, Aaron Rodgers is still the highest paid quarterback in the league. It always cracks me up. But um, the fact that he was ruled out of the game, Carson Wentz being he, and they 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 actually gained a point in the point spread really says a lot. You know. Uh, Heineke, when he played against the Packers there, I believe it was either last year or the year before. The years are kind of blending together here on me. But uh, when he played against the Packers there at Lambeau, played really, really well, you know, played solid. He's one of those quarterbacks that's not going to lose you the game, in my opinion. He's not going to do anything to win you the game. He's just going to kind of manage the game and make a couple scrappy plays with his feet. And if you, the second you take focus off of his scrambling ability, he's going to burn you. And it's not going to be a Lamar Jackson 60-yard run or 30-yard run. It's going to be that eight-yard scramble, get down, move the chains, and keep your defense on uh, on the field for you know extended drive, those type of things. So I think there will be maybe a little bit of a spy concept to what the Packers do defensively to attack the uh, Washington Commanders. Um, but at the same time, I don't think much changes because Carson Wentz was somewhat of a scrambler as well. I, I'm not saying that Heineke is a better quarterback than Wentz. I think that the point spread changed because we've seen these games that the Packers have played this year um, where if a team protects the football, 
the Packers have been the, the team that's uncharacteristically making the mistakes, right? Turning the ball over, having kicks blocked. That's not uncharacteristic. Don't get me wrong, but turning the ball over, things like that. Not winning the turnover differential and losing the middle eight is is really primarily what I'm I'm talking about there. So when you get a quarterback like Carson Wentz, it's going to turn the ball over a lot, make a lot of flash plays. He can come out and have a performance of a lifetime at any given moment, but he also likes to turn the ball over. You know, he's very careless with the ball. You you insert someone like Heineke and things change. So let's do this. Let's let's dig into PFF here and let's kind of see where Washington sits. And, and hopefully you guys are enjoying those intro videos. I don't want this to be just a podcast where I'm talking. I want you to hear from the head coach. I want you to hear from the quarterback. I want you to hear from players in the locker room. I want you to hear from, you know, uh, The Rock, Larry McCarron. Uh, I want you to hear from a whole, you know, bunch of different people. Um, and when we're introing a game like that, I think it's cool to have an outside source that's somewhat neutral just talking about all the statistics. It saves me a little bit of time and and gives you guys a little bit a little bit better quality dive into the game. So um, with that being said, though, according to PFF, the Washington Commanders are the 23rd overall graded team, okay? So they come in 23rd. To put that into perspective, the Packers are ranked 18th in overall grade, okay? So the Packers are grading out at a 73.2. The Commanders are grading out at a 70.2. So you're seeing this is going to be a, a pretty close game, in my opinion. I, I can really see that happen, especially on the road. Now, when you go offensively, the Packers are grading out as the 10th highest graded offense, the commanders are grading out as 27th. So we've got the edge on offense according to PFF and how the players have played within the scheme this year so far. Passing grade, excuse me. Um, passing grade, uh, the Packers are ninth with a 72.8. The commanders are 25th, okay? Pass blocking. This is where it might get a little ugly. And well, not really. Pass blocking, the Packers come in ninth at a 68.7. That's what's amazing is. You know, we look up at the Packers' offensive line, and we're so used to them always protecting for Aaron Rodgers and and Aaron Rodgers not being, you know, hit as much as he has been this year. And, you know, you heard in the intro them talking about the sack numbers in this early season. But really it's across the board throughout the National Football League. Um, again, we, you know, listened to the, the – I re-listened re to the Pat McAfee show the other day where they were talking about the 100 that I couldn't determine if it was 100 points or 100 touchdowns. It's a 100 touchdowns. There have been 100 less touchdowns scored this year in the NFL than it was at this point last year, right? So you can see the defense is starting to starting to catch on to to some of the things that are going on in the league right now, which I love. I'm I'm a big defensive uh, fan. I like watching low scoring games. I can't stand a game where it's just up and down the field, up and down the field. And everybody hearing my voice right now is probably going, "God, you love boring football." I love football that's well coached. And typically when you get those high-scoring games, it's not because the offense is doing anything extraordinary. It's because the defense is hot garbage. And I, I love a hard-hitting game. I love a game where it comes down to, you know, the Seattle game I went to last year um, in uh, in Green Bay, right? It was Packers-Seahawks, snow falling at Lambeau Field. Guys, it wasn't until like the third quarter before I started to – before things started to kind of ease up. But that whole first half, that you could cut the tension with a knife. And if you're the type of fan that just enjoys the Packers going out and blowing people out or, you know, in any game rather, so you can tweet and make fun of them, I get that. There's a lot of humor that, that goes into Twitter, especially uh, live tweeting during a game and all that. But I love those games where one play, one single play can turn the tide of the entire outcome of the ball game. I just love that feeling, that that feeling in your gut where like, God, anything could go wrong right now or anything could go right. Just kind of living on the edge just a touch as a fan, 
If, if that's not you, I challenge you to try to find that because I'm telling you, man, it's a great way to watch a ball game. Now, there's some fans, and we've seen it on Twitter. My goodness, we've seen it. Whereas if the Packers aren't blowing teams out, then they're never happy. You know, if that's if that's the case, college football might be your sport because there's blowouts every week, right? In the National Football League, scores are a lot tighter, and I just enjoy that. I enjoy people at the at the top level performing at the top of their profession, and where the the weakest team in the league is very very close to the best team in the league, the strongest team in the league. I just love that. I don't know. I love the parity that comes along with it. But um, receiving grade. When it comes to receiving grade, the Green Bay Packers are 21st. So there you're seeing why the Packers are struggling. The receivers not grading out well when it comes to uh, PFF. Now, why do I mention that? You've seen they grade in the top 10 as far as passing grade. They grade in the top 10 as far as offensive grade. Obviously, the running backs are great. The offensive line has struggled mainly in run blocking, not necessarily in pass blocking. But again, pressure pick, coverage sack, right? Typically, when a sack happens, most of the time, it's because there is good coverage on the play. If the receivers are getting graded low on PFF, it's because they're not creating separation with the given combinations, the given concepts, the given you know routes that they're running, right? So if they're not creating separation, Aaron Rodgers is that quarterback that's going to take a sack. He's not going to force a throw. Although on Chalk Talk, you've seen we outline he threaded the needle a couple of times, you know, and he was running for his life the entire day, right? So – I don't think everything should be doom and gloom. Now, I'm, I'm going to get into the backside of this pod here about the offensive line and maybe some of the things that they they may roll out there this Sunday. But, uh, yeah, we just need to kind of slow down a little bit. It's obvious the receivers are the weak point right now, not that they can't turn it around. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But that's the that's the thing that's really standing out to me on offense, that and run blocking, which we'll get to here in a second. But like I said, Green Bay comes in 21st with receiver grade. Uh, Washington Commanders come in, comes in 27th in receiving grade. Let's go to running. Running grade. Green Bay is sixth. We've got to stretch the ball outside more. As I went back and watched the Jets game, that's the thing that really struck me. We kept running right into the pile, and we were all screaming, we want them to run the ball more, we want them to run the ball more. I don't care if it's a stack box, run the ball. The beautiful thing about running outside against a stack box, yeah, you may you may have a lot, you know, a two or three yard loss, but also you might hit a home run because you got so many big bodies in tight, especially in a 34 front, right? So um, I want to see some more outside zone run. I want to see some more stretch plays. Let's really bend this defense horizontally because we didn't do that against the Jets. It was almost, to me, it felt like after watching it, I've watched it three times now, every every snap from that game three times. And it felt to me like the Packers thought, you know what, we're just going to hit them right in the mouth and we're the tougher team, we're the more physical team, we're the, uh, the more talented team, we're just going to go straight at them and we'll be able to beat them. And I'm telling you right now, the players failed miserably on the Packers roster because the Jets just, I mean, they bloodied their nose the entire game up front. And and they, like like Robert Sala said, just leaned on them in the second half. Again, I don't put that on the coaching staff, man. I've watched the tape. When I seen a play blew up, I wasn't going, oh, my God, I can't believe this coaching staff didn't get these guys ready. I was looking at the individual going, how did you get beat that bad? How does an offensive lineman, I believe it was uh, John Runyon, get grabbed by the forearm, spun around backwards, and then pushed into your quarterback. Like, he was facing his quarterback. Guys, there's not a coach on that sideline that's that's looking at that going, oh, man, I should have prepared him better. He got beat. It's that simple, right? So, running grade, again, Green Bay, sixth. Running the, you know, their running backs have graded out phenomenally. The Washington Commanders, 27th. Huge, huge advantage in the running game there, in my opinion. Run blocking. Green Bay's run blocking, 14th. The Commanders, 13th. What's that tell you? It tells me that the Green Bay Packers running backs are making more out of less, right? And the Washington Commanders are, are coming away with less out of better run blocking, if that makes sense. The running backs really, really haven't played up to par uh, in Washington. Green Bay's has. The offensive line has really got to improve. Okay, let's move on to defense. Defensively, the Packers grade out as the 24th overall graded defense according to PFF. 24th. That's uh, it's sad, right? You guys remember all the beat riders? I'm going to take a sip of coffee here as I, as I make this comment. Remember all the beat riders in training camp? This defense is going to be elite. This defense is going to be top five. This defensive front is scary. My goodness, the quickness up front. This offense can't keep up. Okay, what you're seeing now. The offensive line is weak, especially in training camp when Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari was banged up. The offensive line isn't as good as the beat riders reported, and the defensive or the yeah the defensive line darn sure isn't as good. Right, with the offensive line being bad, it made the defense look good, and we got this false 
this false sense of this is going to be a, a great defense. And it's just not the case. We're not there. As a matter of fact, we've dropped from last year. We're not going to get too, you know, far into the weeds there. But, you know, it is what it is. Against Again, defensively, the Packers are grading out 24th. Washington, 16th. So they're nothing to write home about. They're middle of the pack. The Packers are in the bottom half of the pack. Okay, so they've got the advantage on defense, according to PFF. Run defense. Run defense, the Packers grade out 30th. Let that sink in. 30th. We have the we have there's only two teams that is graded out worse in run defense than the Green Bay Packers. Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Cleveland Browns are two and four. The Houston Texans are one, three, and one. Here the Packers sit at three and three. Again, I'm going to defend Rodgers. That the their three and three record has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. It has everything to do with trench play, offensive line, and defensive line. Period. Case closed. It is what it is. Now, Washington, what's their run defense look like? 20th. We should be able to gash them. We really should. Now, will we? I don't know. Are we going to Are we gonna play a little more of the outside run game? We should. Let's see what happens, right? So, tackling great. Um, the Packers come in 19th, and the Washington Commanders, it's one of the things that they do pretty good. They're not in the league at a uh, – at a tackle grade of, you find it here, 64.5. The Packers, put that into perspective, their tackle grade, 51.5. Packers just got to tackle better. Again, I don't put that on the coaches. I mean, the CBA won't even allow them to, to, to freaking hit hardly anymore in practice, right? Uh, on top of that, you're playing the entire trading camp with guardian caps, and I get it. All that stuff is very important. I put it at the forefront, in my opinion, but – I don't, I don't know what else the coaches can do to teach a person how to tackle. You've been playing the game since you were six years old. Like, at some point, you got to look up and go, huh, maybe it's on me to learn how to wrap somebody up. Maybe it's on me to learn when to attack the ball and when to lag back, right? Um, pass rush. Green Bay Packers, eighth. Washington Commanders, ninth. So they are neck and neck in pass rush. You're going to see these quarterbacks go down, guys. There's going to be some sacks. And uh, let's hope that the Packers can capitalize on that, and let's hope the veteran leadership of Aaron Rodgers will protect the football to the point where we win the turnover differential because that's what it's going to come down to, and let's try to force Heineke into making mistakes. But the pass rush, you're going to see these uh, th these pass rushes um, on defense for both teams really get after the quarterback this week, with especially with the way the offensive line is played. So let's look at that real quick as we just did that. Pass rush, let's go back to pass block real quick. Again, Packers pass block ninth, Washington 16th. So um, I could see uh, I could see Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith having a game. The thing that stood out to me, and we'll get into some other PFF grades here in a minute, I kind of feel like they're weak interior. I feel like they have good offensive tackles on the edge which kind of – this may spell a big game for Kenny Clark and those interior defensive linemen. I personally want to see Dean Lowry get on the field a little bit more. Um, I know that is a very unpopular opinion, but that is definitely the way I see it. Let's move on to coverage. Coverage grades, the Green Bay Packers, is no, uh, they come in 10th. Washington Commanders comes in 14th. So both teams are playing pretty solid in coverage. Isn't it amazing? We've, we've watched Eric Stokes get burned. we watched Rasul Douglas get burned. We've darn sure watched Savage get burned, and we kind of feel like, God, they're playing horrible. Remember what we started with? 100 less touchdowns scored this year than last year, right? And and you could see right here we're still grading out 10th somehow. 
and we feel like the defense is really underperformed. If they put it together, they're going to jump into that top five quick, and, and that's what they're capable of doing. So I'm hearing rumors that Jair may, may follow uh, uh, McLaurin around as their number one receiver there. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but uh, you guys know I'm not a big fan of that. I'm just I'm a I'm a fan of take the same system we've ran with Barry and snug it up. I don't want to just go primary man coverage and and have Jair follow their best receiver. We did that last week and we lost by more points. Like you can't go the entire training camp preaching one philosophy, preaching one scheme, and then all of a sudden change it up and expect things to just be fixed. And only that, now your players lose confidence in your coaches. Like, man, they don't know what to do now. Like you've got to stick with your guns and make minor tweaks to snug it up. What I mean by that is when you come out in that too high shell, let's let's abandon the too high shell, go ahead and get everybody into place, and let's play press zone. You know, that's an option. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. Press zone is the same as mirror match press man. The only difference is the end point. The end point. You know, let's say you bring your outside corners, your boundary corners up, and you play press, and they both got a, you know, a third of the field, right? They're playing outside deep zone. They press at the line, and they they allow that receiver to beat them on that hitch route. They allow that receiver to beat them on the out route, but they just do not let them get over the top. You can do that with our boundary corners and Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes. They have the physical talent to do that. You play man principle zone defense, right? Um, that's just my two cents. Let's move on to special teams. This right here is what worries me, gang. The Washington Commanders are third in the league in special teams grade, a 91.2, okay? 91.2 grade. They grade out third best. They, they they could be considered the best special teams in the entire National Football League. Where are the Packers at? They're dead last, 45.3. That just screams disaster. That looks so much like last week. Guess who? Guess who's the number one ranked special teams team in the entire National Football League? Those big bad Jets. The Jets that are just horrible. Can't believe we lose to the New York Jets. They have the best special teams, according to PFF, in the entire National Football League. And we have the worst. Now, rewind to last week. What cost us the game? Block field goal, block punt. Block punt went for six, seven-point swing, right? But the Jets aren't no good. I got you. I'm telling you, they're building the Jets from the inside out. And they're focusing on all three aspects of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And they acknowledge the fact that we if you can take one of those three to a top five ranking as far as playing schematically sound and getting the, the production you're looking for on the field, those are the kind of results you get. You're going to steal a game or two. It's going to happen. So that's how the teams grade out PFF-wise. Now let's kind of look at the Washington football team, the Washington commanders, I should say. I don't even know what to call them anymore, to be honest with you. But let's look at the Washington Commanders and kind of say, okay, what have they done this year? All right. They won week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They graded out as a 60, uh, 67.2 overall. Week two, they lost to the Lions, 36-27. Uh, they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, 24-8, to which I'll be honest with you, 24-8 to doesn't sound horrible with the way the Eagles have played this year. Um, at the Dallas Cowboys, they lost 25-10. to uh, They had the uh, Titans at home. They lost that game 21 to 17. And then, of course, they won last week at the Chicago Bears 12 to 7. Now, what did they let's look at just this last game against the Bears? What did they grade out well at? Overall, they were a 68.8. They were horrible on offense at a 59.8, obviously scoring 12 points. That kind of goes with it, right? Uh, passing grade was a 55.4. Keep in mind that was Carson Wentz, not Haneke. 
Pass blocking grade really held up against Chicago. Now, I know Chicago doesn't have the best pass rush in the world. Trust me. I'm not, I'm not saying that Chicago should have been able to get pressure, but Washington's pass blocking grade was a 75.6. Their receiving grade, 49.9. If there was ever a game where you're going to be aggressive and make them beat you over the top, this is it. I'm putting an extra defender. I'm probably playing more cover to this game, guys. I really am. I'm probably playing a little more cover two, a little sink, maybe a little Tampa, and I want to take away that short to intermediate route and make Taylor Heineke beat us down the field while we get pressure on him. But top priority, here's what's cool. When you're when you're committed to playing more cover two or cover six, what they call it, where half the field's cover four or cover six, you can be aggressive with guys in the box. Let's force them out of that run. Let's not let them gash us in the run game, and let's make them beat us over the top. You know, all year long, who have who has beaten us over the top? Think about that. I can't think of a team. You know, even with the Minnesota Vikings, it was crossing routes. It wasn't beating us over the top. So let's why don't we be a little more aggressive underneath? Don't go to man coverage. Play a lot more aggressive underneath the zone and make them beat us over the top. We've got the corners with the physical ability. The 40 time, the acceleration, all those things, the ability to change directions to cover deep in a vulnerable position. When I say cover deep, not get beat over the top. Let's play those corners up snug. Let's take away those easy routes. Let's play with some inside technique out of a zone defense and, and force them along the boundary. Let's make Heineke thread the needle down the sideline like we've seen Aaron Rodgers do last week. We know our quarterback can do it. Let's see if they can do it. Let's put them in those kind of positions. If you do play man coverage, let's play a little single high man. Let's play a little robber where you've got a short zone in the middle, deep zone, you know, down center field, down in the middle of the field, right, and make them beat our corners in that regard. I don't think that Haneke's that type of quarterback. This is the week that the defense really has a shot to get on track. We, we said that last week, but they played great in the first half. It's just the offense sputtered so bad that, you know, by the time the second half came, the defense was gassed once again. But, again, they're receiving grade 49.9. Running grade 60.4 against the Bears. Run blocking 72.1. Really rebounded. They've been, you know, jackal and high when it comes to run blocking. Um, defensively, a 72.1. Run defense 48.4. That's horrible. Tackle grade against the Bears. A game that they won 12-7. to They only gave up seven points, and their tackle grade was a 39.6. What's that say about the Chicago Bears? But also, what's that say about our running backs and them being able to break tackles, right? Now, their pass rush grade is the reason they beat the Bears. There's an 88.6. I'm telling you, this, this defensive front can get after the quarterback. Let's don't put Aaron in vulnerable spots. Let's run the rock horizontally and get those guys out of their pass rush technique and move the ball down the field. Coverage grade, 71.9. And then, of course, special teams is really what stood out in that game at 84.9. That was their second highest performance all year long, only uh, second to the Philly game. Like I said, they only won, they only lost 24-8 to against Philly. They had a 90.1 special teams grade in, in that game. Now, let's move on to individuals. And then we're going to get into a little bit of injury news. We'll get you guys out of here. Individually, for the Washington Commanders, their top five graded players, number one, tackle, Cosme, 78.5. Number two, Leno Jr., Charles Leno Jr., tackle, 77.5. You seeing a theme here, right? Let's, let's slide on down. Even with 133 snaps, another tackle, Cornelius Lucas, right, 71.5. He's fifth. 
And then in between those, you've got uh, Diami uh, Brown, wide receiver. Um, only had 60 total snaps, 74.6. I'm pretty sure he's out. We'll talk about the injury report here in a minute. And then Brian Robinson Jr., obviously he's back after uh, having that off-the-field uh, incident where he got shot um, uh, in a carjacking incident, if I remember correctly. Only 45 snaps, but grading out is 72.2. Why do I mention this? You've got three tackles grading out really solid for them. It's going to be hard to get pressure on the edge. This game needs to be won and lost within the tackles. Our interior defensive line, if there was ever a time that we're going to really overload the A-gaps and blitz, and again, this goes with being aggressive, right? This is the game to do it. That's how you want to attack this offense for sure. That's the way I see it. And if you slide down, their first interior offensive lineman with only 57 total snaps comes in 13th at 61.5. Um, not even going to count that guard. Andrew Norwell, 419 snaps, 59.9, right? You've got another uh, center with 150 snaps and ruler, 54.8. And then you've got guard Turner, 52.5, and another guard, Charles, 46. We need to attack the interior offensive line in this play. Kenny Clark should come out and have a phenomenal game here. Now, here's the problem. If he's rushing the quarterback, that's going to force Heineke out of the pocket, and that's where Heineke can really kind of hurt you there on the edges. Here's how I would attack this defensive game plan, all right, when it when it comes to the Washington Commanders' offense. I would play a lot of edge contain. Their tackles are playing good football. Let's don't necessarily try to get pressure off the edge. Let's make sure we set the edge against the run. Let's make sure that we're containing the quarterback, keeping him in the pocket, and let's let the interior offense or the interior defensive line and maybe even some dog blitzes, some, some double-barrel look. Let's let the interior eat on this game. Let's – Preston Smith – Rashawn Gary, play a good, solid, contained game on the outside, and let's get pressure inside. That's the way I see this game playing out. Now, let's go to their defense. How do we attack their defense? Their defense is playing pretty solid. Their safety curl, um, 89.8 for Cameron Curl. Got 257 snaps, plenty of plenty sample size there. But, again, 89.8. Guys, he's playing elite at the safety position. All right? Montez Sweat. Edge defender. Remember, we talked about the pass rush against the Chicago Bears. It's the main reason they held him to seven points. 89.6 from Montez Sweat. Guys, keep in mind that Jamar Chase is not playing in this game either. Like this, this defense is stout up front, even without their best edge defender. Okay. Um, up next, safety, uh, Derek Forrest, 261 snaps, grades out at an 80.1. Guys, they've got one of the best safety tandems in the entire league right now. Defensive line. Um, 321 snaps, Jonathan Allen, 73.9. Then edge defender, Tony, only 51 snaps, but grading out as a 72.2. Nice change of pace there. And uh, then you've got another safety. That's minimal snaps. We wouldn't even count it. The next one that comes up to me is the linebacker, Cole Holcomb, 67.5. Not great, 392 snaps. So when you look at their defense, great safety play, right? Great safety play, solid edge play, and – uh Defensive line there with um, with Jonathan Allen. I'm taking the under in this game, guys. I don't know what the weather's looking like in Washington. I don't even know what the total point spread is. But just looking at how these, these two fronts seem to be playing as far as what they're good at, what they're bad at, I'd be taking the under here. That's just my opinion. You know, last week I said I would have took the Jets and the points, right, being whatever it was, seven, eight-point favorites, whatever it was. Um, this week, I don't feel so confident taking Washington in the four and a half. 
but I would definitely play the under here. The, this defense really, their offense is struggling. That that caters to the under, and then their defensive front looks pretty solid along with the safety play. This is not going to be an easy defense to play, but we have got to stretch them horizontally with the outside run. That's where this game needs to be won, plain and simple. All right, let's do this. That's kind of how everything lines up there. Um, let's go on to a little bit of news here. What I'm going to do, I was trying to scroll through and find, find a, a few points from Rob Domofsky's Twitter page and just try to see, okay, what's important information. And it was one one banger after another. So we're just going to go through and kind of kind of talk about some of the stuff that he tweeted out, okay? And we're going to be very brief with these. Uh, first things first, on October 20th, he said, Packers special teams coordinator Rich Basaccia said, the Jets block punt was his fault. <clears throat> his fault. Quote, it was a bad protection call on my part. On the block field go, quote, the snap was a little high. It might have been slowed. Uh, it might have slowed Mason down, and we gave up some pa- some some push on the left side. That's how the kick got blocked. So kind of yin and yang there. Masaccio took complete responsibility for the block punt. Man, when, when I seen it, when I see guys gunning down the field for punt, you know, punt coverage, if there's a slight chance of a punt being blocked, give me an extra guy back there to block. Like the top priority, and Ryan said it best, you know, really all offseason. I'm not asking you to be a great special team. But I'm just asking you to, to not get kicks blocked. That's it. Like how do we just shore up the blocking? Let's start there. The special teams has been much improved, in my opinion, until last week. Last week it just absolutely fell apart. So the, that gives me a lot of hope that he said that was his fault. It was a bad protection call on his part. First of all, Great job being a leader, stepping up and taking the blame. Isn't it amazing, though? All week long we heard people saying – some people were saying that Rich Basaccia should be promoted to a head coach and Matt LaFleur fired. But yet, here our special teams lost us the game. I didn't understand that. I'm like, so we had our worst special teams performance, and the coach that was responsible for special teams should be promoted to head coach. We got to stop with the hot takes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I literally laughed out loud at that. I'm like, I don't understand that mindset at all. Um, Packers offensive coordinator Adam Sidovich said um, if they do make personnel slash position changes on the offensive line, he'd rather one he'd rather move as few guys as possible. Quote, less movement is more, but at the same time, you've got to get your best five guys out there. Guys, it sounds like there's some momentum being created for changing up this offensive line a little bit, and I'm excited to see exactly what happens. Uh, moving along here, this is on October 21st. Matt LaFleur said they have not decided whether to add Sammy Watkins' uh, hamstring uh, to the 53-man roster yet after designating him to return from IR. Quote, up in the air right now, LaFleur said, quote, he's gotten through practice uh, the last couple of days, so we'll see how he responds. Um, next tweet, do you know who your starting five on the offensive line is? Matt LaFleur, quote, maybe. Matt Schneiman, just tell me. I won't tell anyone. LaFleur laughed and said, okay, then nothing. So the reason I say I think stuff might change up, and by change up I mean Royce Newman taken out of the lineup for a short stint here and try to try to catch a little spark. Jake Hansen's injured. We'll talk about that in a second. He can't come in and fill in. So who is it that's going to replace him? Do you put Yash at right tackle and slide Elton to right guard? That could be a possibility. Do you do you move uh, you know, Elton to left guard, his natural position and move Runyon to right guard, I don't think there's a chance there because, like Stenovich said, you want to move less parts, right? I know Runyon hasn't been playing well. Well, you're not going to take a player who's playing bad and move him to a position that he's going to be even worse at. That just doesn't make sense. So if there is a move, I think the move would be 
to move Elton to right guard, move Yash to right tackle, and see how he responds. I do not want to see Royce Newman at right tackle. I'd much rather see Elton stay at right tackle. My personal opinion, what I would like to see happen is Elton stay at right tackle because he's starting to play, you know, he's playing pretty well. I think he's grading out as our best offensive lineman right now, surprisingly. And maybe put someone else in at right guard and see if they catch spark. The thing that worries me is these coaches have seen all these offensive linemen perform in practice. There's a reason the starting five are out there. You know, at the same time, you take Royce out, you put in Zach Tom, right? Let's say you put Zach Tom in at right guard. Okay, you do that. What's the worst that can happen? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't see Zach Tom getting beat based off what I've seen in the preseason, training camp, looking at film, the, you know, his his foot movement and everything. I mean, he, he played really solid, I felt like, in the preseason. Granted, it was preseason against lesser talent. But I don't see anybody playing worse than Royce did last week. Guys, it was bad. I mean, even on the Chalk Talk segments, I'm trying to highlight how Aaron Rodgers made some great plays and still has accuracy, still has the ability to evade, you know, evade a 320-pound defensive lineman who had him wrapped up and then throw across his body while taking a hit, threading a needle between four defenders. But I couldn't get past the fact that Royce Newman's just laying on his rear end every single play. Like, Zach Tom couldn't play any worse than that. So I think the top two options, in my opinion, would probably be um, if, if I was the coaching staff and they said, you got to make a change here, how do you want to change up the offensive line? I'm leaving um, Elton Jenkins at right tackle and probably, God, I don't know, it's tough. It's kind of a push for me. The two options, let me just say that. I, I'm kind of tied on it right now because people have talked enough now that it's, it's, got, it's really piqued my interest in um, what would Yash do at right tackle. I think it would be a tie for me. I'd be cool with two scenarios. Either kick Jenkins into right guard and play Yash at right tackle and see how he does, or keep him at right tackle, keep Elton Jenkins at right tackle, and let's put Zach Tom in at right guard and see how he does. Those would be my two options. But isn't it funny how our third-round pick, Sean Ryan, isn't even in the mix? I'd be really surprised if he comes out and plays. He looked worse than Newman in training camp and preseason against lesser talent. I think that as of right now, we got to kind of call that Sean Ryan draft pick somewhat of a miss. I mean, the fact that he hasn't even gotten any opportunity says, you know, exactly what the coaching staff thinks about him, right? So, all right, moving along. For Sunday, here's what Rob Domofsky said. Versus the Packers, um, these are the final um, ins and outs as far as injuries from the Washington standpoint, okay? Um, game status for Sunday, out. Deami Brown, remember I talked about he was their highest graded wide receiver. He's not playing. Cornerback William Jackson the third, tied in Logan Thomas. Quarterback Carson Wentz and running back Jonathan Williams. With their best receiver being out, as far as PFF, now I know they got Terry McLaurin. I don't, I'm assuming he's playing. I don't think he's injured. I haven't followed Washington too close, but um, seeing that Jair made the comment, he wouldn't mind to follow him. If if I'm the Green Bay Packers and more specifically Joe Barry, I'm being very aggressive this week. I'm staying with my my uh, you know uh, late rotation cover three. I want the end result of a single high look cover three zone defense. Get away from the man for a week. Just you, you tried it last week and you got absolutely demolished. It got worse than the Giants game. Go back to your base zone defense, but play snug. Forget the pre-snap sugar. Get prevent prevent the or forget the late rotation and trying to confuse the quarterback. Line up where you're going to be and let's play underneath to deep. And what I mean there is let's prioritize you know short to medium routes and let's make them beat us over the top because I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they can do it. And if they do it, 
we adjust at halftime and go, okay, we got burned. Let's fall back into in line with what we normally do. But that's how I would attack this. That and really try to – don't try to just bang your head against the wall on the outside rushing the quarterback every single play. I would play more of a contain, keep Taylor Heineke in the pocket, and let's create pressure from, from guard in. You know what I mean? From everything from that five technique in. Outside shoulder of the guards in. Let's put pressure on that interior offensive line that's played really, really bad this year. Okay. Now, questionable tight end John Bates, offensive tackle Cosme. We mentioned him as one of their top offensive tackles. He's a little banged up. Wide receiver Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, that's another, you know, if, they, if they're down him too, if he doesn't go, if he's inactive at game time, then we really got to be aggressive in this passing game. Um, Dotson felt better today. They said Rivera said they'll. They'll err on the safe side with Dotson, so there's a chance he doesn't play. All right, moving along. Um, let's see here. There was another tweet I wanted to cover. Um, Rob Domofsky, you know, you guys know Jenkins set out practice. He was on the exercise bike. It's now been confirmed. Jenkins is good to go. He was cleared from the injury report. Watson, Cobb, and Hansen are out Sunday at Washington. Okay, so the final injury report, we're going to be without Christian Watson, without Randall Cobb, without Jake Hansen. So it's either going to be Royce Newman at right guard or they're going to shuffle the line and you may either see Yash or Tom get a little more playing time. My guess is if they shuffle anything, it's going to be Yash at right tackle and move Elton into right guard. I have never seen Yash play guard. He may be able to. That would be kind of cool too. I don't I don't see it happening, but uh, at the same time, if you, you left Elton at right tackle and put Yash in at right guard, maybe Yash can get in there with that big body and dominate. I don't know. But I just do know that Watson, Cobb, and Hanson are definitely out of the game, okay? Um, Randall Cobb told me – this is come, coming from Matt Schneidman. Randall Cobb told me and Rob Domofsky today he's going to miss two to six weeks because of a left high ankle sprain. He heard a pop when the injury first happened last Sunday and thought it was thought his season was over, hence his reaction on the cart. Happy to be able to play again this year. They said that this was the same exact thing that caused him to miss the last two regular season games um, back in 2016. He said, Randall Cobb told Matt Schneiman and me his left ankle sprain is the same injury he had in 16 when he missed the final two regular season games. He said it's a two- to six-week recovery. Asked if he can pick up where he left off. He reminded us that he had three touchdowns in the first game back versus the New York Giants in the 2016 playoffs. I believe that was the infamous game where OBJ punched a hole in the wall and the memes flooded the Twitter Twitterverse, man, what a great time that was. <laughs> but we're going to miss two to six games, it sounds like, two to six weeks, okay? This is the week, in my opinion, Sammy Watkins comes back. Hopefully he can get on the field. You at least let him try to go. If the hammy's tight, then you pull him back out and you adjust as you go. But really would like to see Sammy Watkins on. You guys know the last podcast I did, I believe it was on Thursday, talked about how Sammy Watkins was the second highest graded receiver um, for the Packers this year, albeit a short you know, sample size. But uh, Randall Cobb uh, being the highest, Sammy Watkins coming in second. You get Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard on the field, I, I believe you're going to improve quite a bit. And let's ease back on Romeo Dobbs a little bit and let him work his way into that role because we've seen he struggled really, really bad last week, had one of the lowest PFF grades in the entire uh, Packers roster. Um, that's pretty much everything from Rob Domofsky. Again, I just want to hit that. Now, injury report, again, Randall Cobb out, Jake Hansen out. Christian Watson out. Everybody else should be good to go, whether they were limited or full participation. Batiari's good. Rashawn Gary, I think you're going to see Rashawn Gary play and play and grade out better in this game. I think that that toe injury was bothering him last week, although he still got a sack 
you did see his PFF grade go down quite a bit. I noticed it on film too. It seemed like he just uh, didn't have the burst that he had the week before. Um, Elton Jenkins did not participate, but they said it was a rest day. He's going to be good to go. Um, Mercedes Lewis, full participation. He's good to go. Looked like he had a veteran rest uh, day there earlier in the week. Aaron Rodgers' right thumb seems to be healing up even better. He was full participation on Thursday, limited Friday, probably just some extra rest, try to get that thumb a little bit healthier. So we should see his play improve. And, and Aaron is climbing in PFF grade. He's now in the top 10, 70, I think around 72.5, 72.4. Um, actually slowly starting to grade out better each week. He's starting to come around a little bit more as far as consistency. So I'm excited to see 12 get back to his normal self for sure. Um, that's pretty much it, guys. Hopefully we covered everything. Again, my final kind of take on the Washington-Green Bay game this week is <clears throat> don't try to get cute. Keep Taylor Heineke in the pocket. So play a little more contain on the outside. Their weak spot is the interior offensive line. Let's really get in there and hammer it out. Um, also be very, very aware that their safeties are playing really good football right now. They've got a good edge rush in Montez Sweat, even without um, Chase Young on the other on the opposite side. Uh, Jonathan Allen in the middle can really disrupt the offense as well. I think you want to run the ball outside quite a bit, do a lot of quick RPO passing game action, take advantage of their corners not playing that well, but and stay away from the strength, which is their safeties. Okay, so uh, kind of a a quick wrap-up, if you will, I would go with the under as far as total points scored in this game. I kind of feel like both offenses will continue to struggle a little bit. Um, I don't think Taylor Heineke um, – we got to play aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. That's what's going to be key. When I say aggressive, play more snug. Make them beat you over the top. Make them prove they can beat you over the top. You've got boundary corners that can run the, the, the length of the field and, and do it with great athleticism. Do it from – from a zone defense structure, inside leverage, man, uh, a, a man principle approach, okay, to playing snug, make it look like mirror match press man, not necessarily to try to sugar Heineke or trick them in no way, shape, or form, but load the box, don't let them beat you with the run, and force them to beat you down the sidelines on the boundary by threading the needle like we've seen Aaron Rodgers do last week there with that one chalk talk play that we broke down. So that's how I see it. I just want to say thank you guys so much for taking the time to hang out with us. We really appreciate it. I hope you all have an awesome Sunday afternoon – or I'm sorry, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. We will uh, be back with you guys tomorrow. I'm going to try to get back home and do a live post-game show um, as always, you know, how we, how we do that. I do have a nephew's birthday party to attend, and I got some horrible news that – a uh, very good friend of mine um, late last night died in a uh, skydiving accident. So got to reach out to the family and see how they're doing. Um, I'm hoping I can make it home in time to do a live postgame show. That's the plan. If not, please uh, share a little grace with me because it's kind of tough, man, hearing about hearing about my buddy uh, um, losing his life. That was, uh, that was a tough one to wake up to. Heard about the accident late last night. Um, didn't put two and two together till I woke up this morning and talked to uh, talked to his boys and Unfortunately, they lost their dad and just tough time. So, um, again, sorry I even brought that up. I just uh, want to kind of stress uh, there's a couple things going on. I'm going to try to get back home and in the office in the studio in time to go live for the postgame show. Um, if not, we'll get it out to you as soon as we possibly can. So, appreciate your time. As always, uh, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go, Pat, go. Continues to go. Debater, 17 to 14. Cowboys out.